0: Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wonderful singing. John and his family will be taking a group of Oklahoma students to Vienna for uh, this fall. Leave next Sunday, and we'll certainly miss you, John, on your trip. So good to see each one of you here. So many are visiting, whether you're dropping off a student at school or passing through town or new to our community. We're thrilled that you chose to be with us this morning. Herman and Charlotte Burrow are sitting back there, and we're so happy to have them. That We sure, certainly miss you guys and appreciate all you've done. In fact, September the 10th, we're remembering five years. Larry Alsey's is going to say more of that at the end of the service. But Herman, you were you walked through a lot of that journey with us in the construction, but more than anything else, the spiritual journey we were on. And it's good to see so many college students with us and back with us and here for the first time. And we want you to know how much we love students around here and we would love to be your church home away from home during your college years. And we don't want you just to come and go to church here. We consider you a part of our church family. And we're thankful to Brent and Jill and all who lead within our, our campus ministry. And with the beginning of school and September's arrival, in many respects it feels like a new year. And, and I would argue for the church, September marks the beginning of, a, of our calendar year. And so tonight we're starting a new series with Randy Roper, our family minister and we're doing it partly because school is beginning and one of the aspects of school that um, that um, helps us and uh, causes us to struggle as much as anything else is relationships and so randy's going to start a series on relationships god's way god's design for relationships it's going to be a five-week series it's very biblical and also very practical and one of the things we all have in common is we all have relationships whether you are a dating someone, or engaged, or married, we all have some aspect of friendship, or on the job, or at the school. There is going to be something for everyone, no matter what your age, or where you find yourself in life. Relationship by God's design. I hope you'll be here tonight, as Randy kicks off that series, and invite others to come. I think God will speak to you and to them in a very, very powerful way. We are on a mission in our lives, right? And it's important to know the mission we're on and how we're supposed to get there. So this morning, very briefly, we're going to look at the secret to living on a mission. And if you had to sum it up in a word, I believe it would be summed up in the word righteousness. We're going to anchor our thoughts this morning from one of the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, where it reads, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And I'd like for you to look also at the New Century Version. I love the way they translate these words and I think they capture the thought in a beautiful way. Those who want to do right more than anything else are happy because God will fully satisfy them. To do right, righteousness. It's a tough word and it's hard to grasp all of its meanings but one thing I'd ask you is righteousness a pursuit or a place? Is it something that you A a place you arrive at? Or is it a a direction of living? You know, I have three children. And one of the things I would love for my children to understand and to grasp at this early age of life is what it means to be righteous. And righteousness is not some place that you arrive at, but it is a way of living. It is a pursuit. It's very important that young people understand that. But it's also important that as our, the years go by in our lives, that we remember that it is a pursuit. For many times, the older we get, we have a tendency to kind of sit back and relax and say, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't have that energy. I don't have that enthusiasm. Righteousness is a, wa- a way of living. It is getting our lives aligned with Christ and then walking in that pathway, doing what He would have us to do and being what He would have us to be. And so this morning, as we we think of these thoughts of, of uh, righteousness and, what it means to live our life on a mission, I'd ask you three questions and then provide you with three promises that you can claim. The first question centers around the thought of desire. What do I want? In our text, it says, those who want to do right. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you could could taste it? In other words, you wanted something so bad that even though it had not yet been grasped by you, you could almost sense the flavor in your mouth. I mean, that's an intense desire. I want it so bad that I can almost taste it. It almost becomes an obsession. And when you're obsessed by something that you want, it affects how you act, right? I, I'll never forget, the, it, my early years of campus ministry, I had a guy in our college group that wanted a date more than anything else. I don't think he'd had one yet. He was about a junior or senior, and he wanted a date. More, and he was obsessed with having a date. I can all, I'll can. i never forget him over in the, in the student center following girls around. I actually saw a girl run from him. He chased a girl out of the student center. He wanted a date so badly that he would just run people off. It, it, it affected how he acted. And when you want something so badly, it does affect how you act. Do you remember Hannah? What did she want in the Bible? A child. And she wanted it so badly, what did... The priests think that she was drunk. And she wasn't. She just wanted it intensely. When you want something badly enough, it affects how you act. And what do you want in life? I pray that you want righteousness. In other words, I pray that you want to do what's right. Not look right, but do right. The first two kings of Israel. The first was who, remember? Saw a handsome man, head and shoulders above all other men. And yet in his life, he stumbled and he fell. He uh, offered a sacrifice before the the, the prophet got there. He uh, didn't kill all the animals and the king, and he brought back some of the goods. And when he was confronted by his sin, you remember what he said? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry I did it after he made an excuse to blame it on other people. But please, go ahead and come with me to offer the sacrifice so the people won't know. Because God had said, you can't be king anymore. And what Saul wanted more than anything else was to look right. Other people look at him, and he's got his right clothes on, he's at the right place, worshiping the right God, and he looks right. And God said, if all you want is to look right in life, you can't be king anymore. Who was the second king? Who replaced Saul? David. you know David's the one after Saul who wanted to look right, and he was pursuing appearance instead of heart. His mind left him. And when he was overcome with that evil spirit, only David could calm him with his his singing. Remember? David became king, and David, in a way that even seems more uh, terrible than what Saul did, sins against God. He commits adultery. He murders. And when confronted with his sin by the prophet, what David did not say was, oh, come and offer a sacrifice with me anyway so the people won't know. He repented. He knew what, it, what happened to a person who was more interested in looking right than being right. And he wanted to be right. And he said, take my life, take my family, take my kingdom. But, oh God, do not take your spirit from me. What do you want in life? To look good or to be right? Those who want to do right. I hope that's what you desire. 1 Peter 2.2 2. Like newborn babies crave pu- pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. In Psalm 1. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Question for you. Are you more likely to uh, do what is required, what you're required to do or what you desire to do? In other words, are you more likely to do what you want to do or what you have to do? I don't know about you, but I do more easily the things I want to, not the things I have to. You know, uh, what what I want to get, I go for more than what I have to get. You know, the class I want to take is much more desirable than the class I have to take. The place I want to go is much more pleasant than the place I have to go. You get the point. You will more easily go for the things you want rather than the things you have to. We get to choose our outlook. And blessed is the person, happy is the person who learns to want to do what is right. You don't have to do what's right. It's your choice. You, but I pray that I learn and you learn how to want to do what's Right. Want to do what's right. Matthew six thirty three. The thing you should want, all these other things you need, will be given to you. That's what we're after. What God wants us to do and what God wants us to be. Those who want to do right. Well, here's the promise from God. God will give you the desire. God will give you the desire. For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey Him. Philippians 2, verse 13, out of the New Living Translation. See, many times what we have to learn to do is change our want to. Change what we want in life. Change what we desire, what we're pursuing, what we're after. And that is not an easy thing to do. In fact, of all the Beatitudes, Barclay says this might be the hardest. Because it affects your appetite. Your desire, what you're looking for and what you're going after. But God can help you. He promises to give you the desire. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Inside of you, don't you have that feeling that you, you want to do what's right? Can't you remember that desire to be right with God? It is your choice to make. No one else is going to force it on you. The choice is mine. Joshua twenty four fifteen. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I'll tell you who the choice isn't. The choice is not Satan's. Many people try and go around, oh, the, s- the devil made me do it, or I just couldn't resist. The temptation's too great. Satan can make you do nothing, and it's a promise from God. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. It's a promise by God. It is your choice. God won't make it for you. He won't allow Satan to make it for you. It is your choice to make. So what do you want? What do you desire? Psalm 42, 1 through 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. What are you thirsty for? What are you hunger for? I pray it is to please God, to do what God wants. Nothing pleased me more as a child than when I could please my parents to make a smile come on their face. God is your Father. What do you desire more than anything else with your Father God? Isn't it to please Him, to cause Him to smile? You see, nothing you say or do can ever change how God feels about you. He loves you. Not because of who you are, but because of who He is. We just sang a moment ago the song with the little children. Jesus loves me when I'm good and I do the things I should. Jesus loves me when I'm bad, but it makes him very sad. God always loves you. But to live right in his sight causes him to smile. Jesus asked a question of a a man needing healing once. Do you want to be healed? Used to think that was a silly question. What do you mean, do you you want to be healed? Perhaps it's one of the most challenging questions Jesus ever asked. Do you want it? And I think maybe what he's asking you this morning is, you want to, do you want to be right? Do you want to be righteous? Do you want to be pure? If so, you've got to have the desire. And second, the principle of require. The question is, how bad do I want it? Those who want to do right more than anything else. What do you want more than anything else? i never forget as a child one time, my mama saying, you asked for it, now you're going to get it. And I didn't recall at all asking for that. And I pointed it out to you. I didn't ask for that. She said, you just asked for it again. And I got it again. So many times in life, this world says, here, this is what you want. And you got what you asked for, but you didn't even know that's what you were asking for. The world loves to trick us. What do you want more than anything else? I want that so so bad, I'd give anything for it. And the Olympian would say, and I did. And the concert pianist would say, I did. And the Christian on Judgment Day should be able to say, I did. I gave everything for it. What do you want so bad that you give anything for it? How bad do you want this righteousness? Matthew 13, verses 45 through 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You see, you have to, one, it so bad that you give up everything. He gave up all the other pearls for this one. That's what kingdom living is all about. It's saying, I'll give up anything and everything so that I can have this life with Christ. Studying this passage, I, I got a little bit into the Greek of it. And it was a fascinating thing that captured me. with This hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, this desire for, for water or for bread. Normally in the, in the Greek language, you would, you would expect it to go something like this. I have a desire for bread or I have a desire for um, water. Water. And so here is a loaf of bread, and I hunger and thirst for bread. So I go and get me a piece of bread, maybe two pieces of bread, maybe three, maybe four. Very rarely do I ever sit down and eat the whole loaf. I just get a part of the bread. Or I'm, I'm thirsty, so here's this huge pitcher of water. I go to it and I get a glass, maybe two glasses. But I don't drink the whole, the whole pitcher of water. I just take a drink or two. But this time the Greek changes that around. And instead he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the whole loaf of bread. For the whole pitcher of water. You see, when my living a Christian life, oftentimes I just say, Well, you know, yeah, I want to be righteous. And I'll just take a loaf or two or three or four. So I'm, I'm, I'm reaching out for some of the righteousness. Or I'll take a drink of righteousness. That's not what we're supposed to pursue. Happy are those who want to do right more than anything else. Who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They take it all. Now, I I imagine by being here this morning, every one of us would say, we want to do what's right. Before God, if I ask you to raise your hand, I imagine almost every one of you here would say, yes, I want to do what's right with God. I want to be right, and I want to do right. But if I also ask you, how many of you always do right? None of us would be able to raise our hands. It is a pursuit of righteousness. It's a pursuit of the whole loaf, the whole picture. Isn't that what you want in life? Have you forgotten that you're not just after a piece or a slice? You're after the whole thing. That's what God calls us to. How bad do you want it? See, oftentimes we try and change what we do without changing what we want. It happens in all walks of life. But what God calls us to do here is, is to want something. Not just to do something. But if you want it, that leads to an action. God does not command us in this passage to do to be righteous. He says, Blessed are those who do what? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. It is a pursuit. It's something we're after. Those who want to do more right more than anything else. It doesn't say those who do right more than they do wrong. How bad do I want it? Here's God's promise. God will give you the power. Philippians 2.13. Yes, God is working in you to help you want to do what pleases Him. There's your desire. Then He gives you the power to do it. It's a promise from God. God never asks you to do something He doesn't give you enough energy and strength and ability to do what He calls us to do. Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. What is that everything you can do? It is to live in whatever circumstances with contentment that God places you in. It is to be able to handle every situation that might come in front of you. I can do everything through Christ, who gives me the strength. One practical way that you can live this kind of life of righteousness is oftentimes you act before you feel. You have to learn how to project what you want. It's the old principle of do unto others before they do as you would have them do unto you in Luke, remember? It is acting in out what you would want to have happen before it has happened. If you want to have this power from God, you have got to learn how to act before in a way that you want it to be. Second Chronicles 16:9 For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You start acting in that way, and when you need the strength, God's watching and he'll give it to you. The third principle is that of inspire. In other words, will it satisfy? Back in Matthew chapter 5 verse 6, those who want to do right more than anything else are happy because God will fully satisfy them. And there's a lot of things in life that bring satisfaction to you. And perhaps you can even remember some of those instances. But nothing satisfies more than being in a right relationship with God. But in that pursuit, those of us who have given our life to Christ and we're trying to walk that path, we don't always do what's right, Correct. And and we have a struggle going inside of us. The things I want to do are not the things that I do. And the things that I do not want to do, those are the things that I do. Oh, what a wretched man I am. And eventually, we get to the point where we just want to say, a little voice in our head goes off and says, you ought to just give up. Look at the frustration of trying to live this righteous life. You're not doing it. Just give up. By the way, who do you think that voice is? God? And it says, well, just, you know, you've been struggling with pornography all these years. Just give it up and quit, quit fighting it. Or you've been struggling with gambling all these years. Just give it up and just let, let your life go. Or you've been struggling with whatever it is that you struggle with. And it, that voice just says, just give it up. And then you'll find satisfaction, right? And for those of us who had, have decided at times in our lives just to give it up, we did not find satisfaction. We found depravity. <laughs> you, you, you find it. Oh, yeah, there's a pleasure for a moment. But it's only for a moment. It's fleeting. Like a mist, it's gone. And there is not satisfaction there. Satan tries to get us to give up so that we can find satisfaction. But that is not the way to find it. It is a lie. It is spending our lives on things that do not give us what we hunger for. That's what Isaiah is trying to say in Isaiah 55 verses 1 through 2. He's saying, why are you pursuing lies? Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? You see what he's saying? You're you're spending all your energy, all your efforts on things that don't satisfy your hunger. It's not even bread. Come to me, to the living waters, to the bread of life. But I don't have enough to buy that. (laughs) Of course you don't. But it is the bread that you search and you seek, and Christ has paid the price. That satisfaction. God will fully satisfy them. And this satisfaction in our Christian life is one that, that lets us know it's a satisfaction of things going well. Deuteronomy 6:18, Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. It's the satisfaction of success. Remember the Lord in all you do, and he will give you success, Proverbs three six. It's the satisfaction of things working in to your life. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And it's the satisfaction of things working out. Second Corinthians four eight. We have troubles all around us, but we do not but we are not defeated. We don't know what to do, but we do not give up. Those who want to do right more than anything else are happy. God will fully satisfy them. Well, here's God's promise. God will give you the reward. That's where satisfaction really comes in. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. And that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. You see, when you act in a faithful way. In other words, acting in a way that you don't yet feel. God will reward us. Somebody once said it's a whole lot easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. In other words, you have to act in faith. Don't Feelings follow faith. We must believe He exists and that He rewards. And by the way, folks, that's satisfaction. That's satisfying. Isaiah 54.10 The mountains may disappear and the hills may come to an end. But my love will never disappear. My promise of peace will not come to an end, says the Lord. So you have a choice. The pleasures of sin for a short time are the ways of righteousness that satisfy the longings of our heart. We are on a mission. And God has a plan for your life and for mine. Jeremiah put it this way. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So what do you desire in your life? What do you want more than anything else? How bad do you want it? And then will it really satisfy you? Because there are two ways. James talks about it this way. Some of you say today or tomorrow we'll go into some city. We'll stay there a year, do business and make money. But you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Your life is like a mist. You can see it for a short time. But then it goes away. So you should say, if the Lord wants, we will live and do this or that. But now you're proud and you brag. All of this bragging is wrong. Anyone who knows the right thing to do but does not do it is sinning. So which way are you going to choose? The way of this world? It's the mist. It's there, but it's only there for a short time. Or are you going to choose God's mission? And God's mission is summed up in three words. Three words that will answer all of tomorrow's choices. What God wants. I don't know what your tomorrow holds whether triumph or tragedy pain or prosperity good times or bad times I do not know what tomorrow holds but I do know one thing about my tomorrows I can choose today to be doing tomorrow what God wants and that is the pathway to righteousness so what do you want in life? did you desire to be right with God? It's in each of us. step to righteousness has come to the Jesus Christ, who washes us w- with His blood in the waters of baptism. If you've never done that, that's the desire. That's the first step on your path. What does it require? It requires our whole life. But what does God give us? He gives us a family of believers to lift us up and to encourage us, to walk beside us, to pray for us, to give us strength. I hope this morning that you want to do right more than anything else. And we'd love to help you on that journey. If we can, we'd invite you to come. As Together we stand and sing.